friends. Before we start this episode, I want to give you a heads up that this episode is highly focused on sexual intimacy in spousal relationships. So if you have little ears in the car, you might want to save this one for later, but I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Welcome to Leadham to Life. I hope you are doing well and enjoying a wonderful, glorious day. I am sitting down with my friend Mara Vandis today, and I'm I'm just so excited for this conversation. Uh, Mara, you came onto my radar. I've known you for a while, uh, for a while, but I actually had asked some friends, "Hey, who would you like to hear on?" Uh, the podcast on Lead Him to Life. And our friend Tracy said, you need to have a conversation with Mara. And so I was like, okay, tell me more. You know, I, you know, we hadn't talked in a couple of years. And it was really intriguing to me because you're just doing some awesome work and um, some really exciting things. So first of all, before we get too far in, give us the highlights. Tell us just a couple of things about you to kind of give us a context of who Mara Vandist is. Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up in South Dakota, a little town, Groton, uh, by the Aberdeen area. Um, I'm currently in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I am in my final year of medical school uh, and applying Ooh. to, yes, very exciting. <laughs> Happy to finally be done being a student. Um, so applying in family medicine residencies right now, I will start that in July. Um, until then, just enjoying life with my husband, Shane. I have a slightly over one-year-old daughter, uh, Cecilia. Um, yeah. Who's just like the sweetest thing ever. She's a cutie. She is. <laughs> She's a cutie. She's got a little, we're starting to get into those um, terrible twos a little Ooh, early. So she's got a little bit of a sassy yeah. attitude going on right now. But that's that's going to serve them well someday. Like someday I'm going to be really right. grateful for the you know, the independence and all of that. I, I'm holding on to that. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm yes. confident it's coming someday. <laughs> well, that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are a busy, yeah, a busy mom, a busy med student, a busy doctor, um, kind of approaching that next step in your, um, in your journey there. So I really appreciate you taking some time to just have a conversation with me. Um, one of the reasons that I uh, was just super excited to sit down and have a conversation with you after Tracy uh, kind of mentioned, uh, you need to have a conversation with Mara, was because you and Shane, your husband, really have kind of a passion for engaged couples. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time kind of talking about sexual intimacy in this episode, um, but really this, this started with an initial conversation about your passion uh, for engaged couples and, and kind of walking with them through various aspects of marriage preparation and that kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about where that came from? What does that mean? What does that look like? How did that start? Yeah, so um, about a month before Shane and I got married, um, a cousin sat me down and she said, you know, um, I know that you and Shane are saving sex for marriage. She had just gotten married about six months earlier. Um, and she said, you know, Alex and I did the same thing. And um, I just had a lot of questions uh, before we got married and was fortunate in that someone sat me down and answered my questions for me. And I just want to make sure that you know that you have me as a resource. Um, 
And, and I did. I had all these questions. And there really isn't a good place to bring them up during marriage prep. Um, you know, as great as the priest that was doing our marriage prep was, he's, you know, can't answer <laughs> a lot of know. our questions about sex yet. <laughs> and I, I think it's difficult to initiate that conversation sometimes with your married friends because, you you know, especially for those of us that are trying to live chastity uh, within our engaged life, uh, not wanting to feel like um, people think you're getting into things too soon or bringing yeah. things up too early. And so... Um, after we got married, that was just something that, you know, really stuck with Shane and I. And we were like, we would really like to offer this to other couples as well. And, you know, uh, as life goes, when you're a young Catholic, we had like five or six friends getting married over the summer, including my older brother. And so um, each of those couples, we kind of did the same thing with them that we, you know, sat them down and just said, you know, this is a place where if you guys have questions, um, we can answer them for you. Um and if you, you know, give them some advice depending on, you know, their experience and their past and, um, yeah, and it just kind of sparked from there, you know, then they would get married and some of them, you know, continued to come with, to us with questions and conversations. And of course we had questions of our own. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of become this little ministry that we have, um, that we've really enjoyed yeah, <laughs> sharing. Yeah. Well, and it's such a, it's such a gift because I think you hit the nail on the head in that uh, there's not a lot of spaces, safe spaces in which there's a freedom to talk about it um, and to talk about either the joys, the challenges, the, yeah, the unexpected, the reality. Um, and it, and it really is, I think, such a gift because there can be a lot of anxiety for, for couples. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later, um, even within I'm going to come back to that a little bit later, even within marriage, you know, that there's, that there's challenges or whatever. So, um, but I, but I think you're exactly right. Like it's opening up that conversation and I'm curious from your perspective, and this is not just engaged couples. I think this is a common thing for a lot of people. Um, it's, it can be difficult to talk about. So I'm curious to know why, you know, why do you think it is so difficult, um, for, for couples to talk about. I, I can understand a little bit, maybe engaged couples, but I think there's a reality that that happens even within marriage. So I'm curious to know what you've seen in the different couples that you've worked with and maybe in your own personal experience. So what Shane and I, the conclusion we've kind of come to is we feel like uh, the thing that we struggled with in our marriage uh, is that talking about sex somehow like makes it unsexy. And I, you know, I think mm. we're just bombarded with so many images of sex in our day-to-day -day life, right? It's in the books we're reading, it's in the movies we're watching, um, not even getting into the whole struggle of pornography, but every couple that you see having sex or reading about having sex is, it's all spontaneous and it's all instinctual. And then that's the image we bring into our marriages and our relationships. And um, so then it, it seems really unsexy to be like, hey, can we actually talk about this? Can we sit down and have really important conversations that every couple needs to have? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this, I, that kind of just brings in this guilt then of um, if I'm going to bring up, say that I don't like something. Well, now my partner might feel like Shane might feel like um, he's done something wrong, you know, mm -hmm. instead of because we haven't opened up that conversation or vice versa, saying that you really like something. Um, I, th I think that's a little less taboo, but um, 
so to really kind of open that up and, and bring that up to couples that like you, you do, you have to talk because there's no way that you can ever really learn um, what the other person likes and kind of develop that really good sexual relationship if you're not having conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And, and I love how you said that, that sometimes the idea of talking about it makes it seem somehow less sexy or, or something like that. And I think you're totally on to, yeah, the movies that we watch, the, uh, yeah, the songs that we listen to. I mean, it's, it's really everywhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, that we have these preconceived ideas of what, what it should be, what it should look like. And the reality for 99% of married couples is not what has been presented to us in culture. It's just, it's just not, uh, because we're busy and we're actually real people that have jobs and get tired and, you know, whatever. Um, and, and we'll come back to that more later, but I think you're so, spot on. So how do you, um, you know, when you're talking to either engaged couples or you're talking to married couples, how do you encourage them to, to start doing that, to start having the conversation? You know, are there tips that you can offer for somebody that's like, okay, maybe they're married and, uh, it's, it's just not normal for them to talk about it, or they're kind of approaching marriage very, very quickly. Um, and it hasn't been a topic of conversation yet. What, what would you offer them? I think the best advice is just to start talking about it, you know, and both inside and outside of the sexual act. So if it makes it easier to not bring it up during sex for the first time, bring it up at dinner and have a, have a planned conversation where you say like, this is something that I'm struggling with. Um, or like, I, I feel like, you know, there's some issue coming up you know, whether that be um, you don't feel like you're connecting during sex, whether that be, you, you know, I'm, I think we're going to talk about this a little later, different issues of resentment with like, are, are we having more sex than expected, less sex than expected? Does right. sex not look like the way that I pictured it being in our marriage and our relationship? Um, and so to just sit down and start having that conversation and you, you don't have to delve into everything and fix everything all at once. But once you start that conversation, and then open that up and talk talk about how you should be talking during sex, right? right? Make that right. an okay thing. Yes. Um, oh, that's such one good of advice. the yeah uh, one of the best conversations that Shane and I had in the beginning of our marriage was on that exact topic. Was just saying and verbalizing out loud. Um, I need to know that you're comfortable with me saying that I don't like something. And that we need to try something else. And that seems really silly to say, but I needed to hear my husband affirm me in that to say, mm -hmm. yes, that is not going to hurt my feelings. That is not going to ruin sex and make it unsexy. Like this is a good thing that's going to help us grow and connect better with each other and make sex and a more intimate act. Yes, totally. So I just finished my, uh, my master's in psychology this last year. And I really, I'm, I'm really fascinated, you know, by marriage and relationships and that kind of thing. So I just took a lot of time throughout my, my program to just research and try and get a better understanding of marital relationships, particularly. And it was so interesting to me that over and over and over again, countless studies cite uh, two primary challenges as like either biggest um uh, leaders to divorce or biggest uh, places in which couples say that name that they struggle with in marriage. One was money and, you know, which makes sense. Money's a really, it's a really vulnerable thing. And number two was sex, which makes sense. It's a really vulnerable thing. Um, 
And I think the the two things that they have in common is this sense of vulnerability because it really is, um, uh, it's a, it's a full gift of self. It's a really intimate gift of self that you're only giving to one person, um, in, within, within, you know, the marriage covenant. And I can understand why there can be real difficulties regard, especially, you know, we named resentment earlier. Um, I'm curious, you know, how do you think, uh, number one, how do you think resentment can kind of enter into that? marriage? How do, how can resentment enter into kind of the, the marital bed, if you will? And then what are ways to overcome it when it does? So one of the biggest places that Shane and I have kind of noticed uh, resentment kind of creeping into our marriage is um, the kind of expectations that we brought into marriage um, with, you know, how often were we going to be having sex? Um, you know, just on a day-to-day basis, but also, you know, for anyone listening that's practicing NFP, there's phases in our cycles where we're fertile and we're not having sex because we are not ready for another baby. And there's periods where we're not fertile. And um, it can be really easy to see those as like, well, if we can't have sex, you know, seven out of the 30 days of the month, then all those other days should be used. And depending on the phase of our life, that's not always practical. You know, Shane is working a full-time job and a part-time job, and he's in grad school, and I'm in med school, which sometimes affords me a lot of flexibility and free time, and sometimes means that I'm barely managing to eat. <laughs> right. right. Um, so just, you know, different expectations that we have. Um, and again, if you're not talking about that, then it's easy to kind of build up a resentment. Um, We really had to find a balance between, you know, spontaneity and kind of planned intimacy, Mm -hmm. which was also really hard because we both kind of had this image of sex being this really spontaneous thing. And it it felt really unsexy at first when we would be like, okay, (laughs) exactly, exactly. We're going to put this on the calendar. And so (laughs) trying to find a happy medium there too. And again, these things don't get resolved if you don't talk about them. If you don't say like, well, you know, when we when we don't plan sex, we don't have sex because we get caught up in all the things that we're trying to do and all of the schoolwork and our daughter and meal planning and then we're just exhausted at the end of the day. And so, you know, trying to figure out what one or the other needs, um, you know, in the phases where I was really busy, I just needed blocked off times where I could study and then be able to come home um, and have felt like I got a lot accomplished, if that makes sense. Um, So if that meant me going to a coffee shop on a Saturday morning and Shane was going to take Cecilia, um, and then that enabled me to then be free um, for some planned intimacy then in the evenings. And um, as I think most of us that are married know, intimacy kind of begets intimacy. And so planned intimacy often leads to more spontaneous intimacy. And so that made things, and also just hearing, you know, verbalizing on both sides, that that's important, the spontaneous intimacy. And so then almost kind of on one side or the other, I'm going to plan myself some spontaneous intimacy for my spouse. Right, right, Um, yeah. But when you're talking about those things and having those conversations, then you know what um, your spouse needs from you, Mm -hmm. you know, and they know what you need in order to be free. Um, And, you know, that has gone both ways. There's been times that I've needed to take Cecilia and get out of the house so Shane can get some work done. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and first of all, thank you for just sharing that because I think that's such a normal, common experience for couples and, and couples can feel really alone um, when they don't recognize, no, this is actually a really ordinary thing of trying to figure this out, whether you're newly married or you've been married for 30 years. Like there's still this kind of give and take that people are figuring out and trying to work through. And, um, you know, I'm, do you think that sometimes it's also just a matter of communicating, uh, Hey, you know what? I need, I need to connect with you, but I need to know that we're just going to cuddle or whatever. You know what I mean? How, like, do you, do you talk to couples about that? Has that been something that you've experienced of just saying up front in order so that you can kind of just like relax and be free, like, or vice or, or so that he can, um, you know what, we're, we're going to be off tonight. We're going to connect, but it's not going to be maybe in the way that we thought we would. Absolutely. Um, for Shane and I, the biggest time in our lives that we kind of struggled with that was right after Cecilia was born mm -hmm. and I was breastfeeding her. And, you know, a lot of moms will say, um, and I was definitely one of them, you just feel so touched out yes. at the end of the day. Because sure. you're, you know, especially during maternity leave when I was home all day with her, which was such a wonderful gift, but you're trying to do lots of skin to skin and you're baby wearing and they're nursing every two hours and Shane will get home at the end of the day and you're kind of like, you know, I just really want to hand you the baby and go sit in another room with a book and just not be tired. Right, right, right. And just communicating that with him. And so what we ended up actually doing was planning some, you know, my love language is physical touch, but sometimes it does kind of feel pressured when um, physical touch often leads to sex. And so I just had to express to Shane, you know, I really need like us to set aside a night that you can just like give me a back rub and know that we are not going to have sex tonight. Mm -hmm. And then I can compromise and say, one uh, another night, maybe if we're going to do that Monday night, maybe Tuesday night, you know, we can cook dinner and try to get Cecilia to bed a little bit early and then we can have some planned intimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just, I just needed that safe space to be like, I need to feel loved and I need to feel invested in um, without kind of the extra pressure of feeling like this is leading to sex, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, we've talked to couples and that can be on both sides. Sometimes that's the men, you know, sometimes they're coming home from work, they're drained um, and they just need some investment, whether that's, you know, for some couples, it's hearing about your day. And that's where I think knowing kind of your, um, spouse's love language can be really important. Is that hearing about their day? Is that, you know, some sort of unsexual physical touch, like a back yeah. rub or a foot rub? Is it, you know, some sort of act of service? If um, a yeah. wife comes home or if a husband comes home and the house is clean and the and dinner's cooked and, and you don't have to, you don't have that extra weight of these chores leaning on your shoulders, right. that can really free a couple up then mm -hmm. to be able to be more intimate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought up the love languages because I think, you know, obviously in this episode, we're, we're primarily focusing on, on physical intimacy and, um, you know, that is like an incredible, beautiful way for spouses to connect. But you, earlier you said something along the lines of like intimacy begets intimacy. You know, there's a reality that love begets more love. And there is a recognition like within the love languages that I think it, we're invited, we're kind of called to like, I'm going to love you in different ways. And I'm going to be intentional about loving you in the ways that you actually are going to be able to best receive it. 
So for example, if this is the first time, you know, maybe our listeners are hearing about the love languages, you kind of named some of them. So physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, uh, acts of service. Am I missing one? Are there four or five? There's five. Um, What's the other one? We're missing it. Somebody's yelling it at their quality time. Quality time. There we go. Good job. Um, I I think that there's really this, um, like, so for example, if I'm going to affirm the heck out of uh, my husband, but his love language, and he just doesn't really feel honored or loved by affirmation, we're actually like not responding to each other, not loving each other in the way that can be readily received by the other. Whereas, so like Matt's love language, um, for sure, the way that he loves me is acts of service. And there was a time where it was like, he was doing all of these things for me. And I would say, I just like, I need to hear you tell me, you know, how awesome you think I am or whatever. I don't know. And it was just like opening (laughs) the door for a conversation for us of, okay, my love language is actually words of affirmation. And I need to hear like, and I don't just want to hear that you think I'm awesome. I want to know why you think I'm awesome or whatever, you know? So it's just this like really great conversation. And I think that there's also been ways because he receives acts of service or he receives, you know, his is also affirmation. So for me to be really intentional about, okay, what's something that I can do for him uh, that's he, that he's just going to be so honored. And I think, you know, exactly what you're getting at is like the more that we build those other forms of love, actually the better sexual intimacy becomes actually the better, you know, we can connect with, with each other in and outside of, of the bedroom kind of thing. Absolutely. Shane and I always can connect when we're praying together as a couple, the sexual intimacy is so much better. We, you know, we can connect on such a deeper level and, you know, life, we all struggle living the lives that we kind of pictured and imagined ourselves living. And so there are times when we get really busy and we let prayer fall to the wayside. And um, often a lot of other things tend to fall to the wayside then, you know, Mm -hmm. we're both more stressed, we feel more busy, we feel more disconnected Mm -hmm. on all sorts of levels and keep coming back to that, like, it can be a small thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, when we're communicating, and I think it's just that that act, of course, prayer is a really powerful and amazing, wonderful thing. But also just that we were taking 10 minutes, 20 minutes to sit down together and express different parts of our day through prayer. You know, these are things that I struggled with that I'm trying to let go. These are people that have reached out to me that are struggling, that I'm kind of carrying their burdens on my shoulders. And I need to, you know, share that with you and with the Lord and release that. And um, these are happy things that I haven't had the chance to tell you about yet that I need to thank the Lord for. And um, you're just so much more connected um, as a couple when you're communicating in that way. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. One of the last things that I want to talk about, um, there's a reality that every one of us in some way or another, I think carries some sort of baggage into our marriages. Um, and it's, I think it's naive to think that those things aren't going to sometimes rear their ugly heads, even in the context of our marriage or, um, you know, kind of resurface at different times, that kind of thing. Um, But I think regardless of, you know, somebody's history, um, 
which often kind of gives those expectations. You know, earlier you named pornography, and one of the great challenges with pornography is that it presents a false idea of what sexual intimacy uh, is and and what healthy sexual intimacy ought to be. So I think that's a really clear cut example. Um, but regardless of someone's you know history, whether that was a challenge for them uh, or whether they had you know multiple other partners before um, choosing their spouse, um, I think that sex can oftentimes not look like what we anticipated it would. Um, and that can be, and that can be hard. You know, I, I remember talking to one young woman, um, who just confided in me, you know, early on in her marriage, just saying, I feel like I married the wrong person because this is not looking like what I thought it was going to look like. It's not spontaneous or whatever, you know, whatever that is for someone. So, um, yeah, I'm just curious if you'd share, be willing to share a little bit of like what, what your experience in that was um, and how did you kind of work, work through it or, or maybe another couple too that you've had that, you've, that has shared with you an experience like that? Absolutely. I mean, one of the greatest tools in our marriage has honestly been the confessional. Um, you know, we did save sex for marriage, and I'm so grateful for that gift. But that does not mean that we did not struggle with chastity before we were married. That does not mean that we do not struggle with chastity, you know, trying to practice NFP and figure out what do these periods of abstinence look like and how do we live out the church's teaching on sexuality. We've struggled with it. And um, it's helped to be open with other couples. You know, this is really a ministry that's kind of given back to us. I feel like as much as we've invested into it, because it does kind of normalize that experience so, and take away that shame, right? Because it, mm -hmm. it feels very embarrassing as a married woman to walk into a confessional and talk about my marriage because I feel like everything should be perfect and I should have this all figured out. And um, in every sense, so yeah, I lost my patience or exactly, exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and so to just be really humble with the Lord in that and say, you know, Lord, this is something that we've struggled with and we've failed in. Um, and that's been a really purifying thing for our marriage. Um, we often go together because there's just something beautiful about, you know, and we don't talk about what we're confessing. I have no idea what sins my husband takes to the priest. Um, but I get to watch him walk into a confessional um, and vice versa. And I think that is such a powerful thing um, for couples to kind of witness to each other. Um, it's also just powerful to be forgiven from the Lord and those things to accept that every single one of us is struggling and committing sin and the Lord gives us a free release from that. Um, other things that I think can help, you know, again, communicating. Um, your spouse should know what you expect out of sex. Your spouse should know what you are walking into the bedroom um, picturing going on. Because if they don't know, that, then it's not going to happen. And not to say that your spouse needs to live out your fantasies, um, but it needs to be a mutual fantasy. You know what I mean? It needs to be a mutual conversation of these are things I like and enjoy. These are things you like and enjoy. Again, that conversation of like, I expected sex to be very spontaneous. Okay, well, intimacy begets intimacy. So if we have some planned intimacy, that'll probably lead into spontaneous intimacy. And spontaneous intimacy is rarely not planned by one or the other. So maybe we both kind of need to take that to heart that we need to plan some spontaneous intimacy for our spouse. and. Um, yeah, and, and to be... 
there's so much, I'm, I, I can't help but as you're talking about this, like just the words theology of the body, you know, I think sometimes we think, yeah, you said it earlier, but that talking about it um, is taboo or something like that. And actually the way in which the world is talking about it is taboo. The way in which like the Christian talks about it is extraordinary. You know, it's, it's actually like five times sexier and more exciting and more, um, you know, there's just a depth to the way that you're talking about it um, that I just think needs to be named. Because I think, you know, if you're to turn on Netflix or something right now, like what they're selling as sexy and whatever, it's just, it's just not like when you dig into it, it's just not. And what you're talking about, there's just a depth to it that I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's what we're made for. Like we're actually made for connection in the deepest, most intimate sense. Um, and, and that's, and, and why you name the confessional, you know, like in which we're actually, it's not just us, but we're actually partaking in something that's far greater than us that we're inviting, you know, this, this, we're inviting God into this extraordinary thing, you know? Um, Absolutely. Which I just think is cool. So I just needed to name that. I think it's beautiful. But it does come with its own pressure, doesn't it? Because uh, yeah, yes, yes. You yes. you expect, um, especially if you're really striving to live the Lord's view of marriage, you you desire it to be this incredibly deep, intimate, profound, beautiful thing. And sometimes that takes some work. Mm. Uh, and to enter into marriage um, and to live your marriage, kind of realizing that and coming to terms with that, that like, of course the Lord has given us this beautiful gift of sex. And of course it, it does have a depth that the couples that are not living the Lord's plan for their marriage don't know that they're missing out on. Yeah. Um, but again, it takes that communication with your spouse yeah. to get to that point. And to not fear if it's not always awesome, you know, yes. recognizing like, all right. And, and, and the, we talk a lot on this podcast about just seasons change and what works at one point does not work postpartum, does not work postpartum after baby number four is different than what works at this time. of You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Details of that. I think y'all can talk about it in your, with your spouse, but, um, but that, but that's a reality that, that I think we have to kind of come to terms with and start getting okay with that we need to continue to be intentional about it. We need to continue to figure it out. We need to continue to have, um, yeah, just, just to pursue it together. Um, that's, yeah, that's so good. That's so good because you're right. It does come with a certain passion or a certain, um, expectation or pressure to think, okay, it's this extraordinary thing. Well, it doesn't always, you know, turn out extraordinary. (laughs) I hear couples say that a lot. It's like, well, sometimes, yeah, but sometimes no, you know, like, life happens, you know, the baby wakes up, whatever. So, um, yeah, well, Mara, I am so grateful that you just, that you've shared and the honesty I think is so, um, helpful and more and more couples need to talk about it. So before we end, I, I want to ask you one last question. This is a place with more questions than answers. I think through asking, um, you know, big questions in my life and other people asking me questions, I've just come to like a, a more deep and, uh, every question just leads to like a, I don't know, a better understanding of maybe who I am or makes me look at the world differently or whatever. So I'm curious if there's a question that you have been pondering, um, something that you've just been wondering about lately. It can be funny. It can be uh, deep. It can be related, unrelated, anything in the world. I want to know like what's on the heart of Mara Van Deest, what's she been thinking about? 
so my New Year's resolution this year uh, was to spend more time in prayer in a chapel because med school has kind of stolen that gift away from me mm-hmm. um, at times. And uh, then I did the random saint generator. And my patron saint of the year is St. Francis of Rome. And the quote that popped up of hers um, that I've now been contemplating is, uh, sometimes one must leave God at the altar to find him in her housekeeping. And now that's been weighing on my heart is almost like a, almost like a competing interest. Hmm. And so that's been my uh, question that I've been pondering um, really for the last month. Um, is trying to find that balance. Obviously, the Lord intends me to spend time in the chapel um, with him prayerfully because that feeds into the rest of my day and allows uh, me to find him in my housekeeping, in my daughter, in my patients in med school. Um, But what does that balance look like between praying in a chapel and also living out um, a vocation as a wife, as a mother, as a physician? Oh, sit with that one, friends. (laughs) Listeners, let us know if you find the answer. You can uh, email me at elitum at Please. (laughs) And until next time, we'll be sitting with that. (laughs) No. Well, Mara, thank you so much. I think that's, yeah, I, again, I just so appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability. Um, Where can people find you? Can people find you on Instagram or anything like that or on Facebook? Uh, Yes, I am on both Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Great. So follow along with Mara Van Deest and all of her worldly adventures of medicine and (laughs) raising a beautiful family and just absolutely killing it. She's a rock star. So thank you again, Mara. Thank you for having me. We cannot wait to um, hear what you think about this episode. Um, Feel free to contact us, leave a, leave a review, um, share this episode with a friend. If it blessed you, especially uh, married friends, uh, this is a conversation that I think needs to be had a little bit more. So We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in.